0: Hey it's your Kali! What's up? up?
1: Warning! Warning! Warning!
0: You are about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start. Five,
2: four,
3: three, two, one. Hello, guys. What's up? I'm Nine. And I'm Ariel. And we are here um, with the Crumbly Nation. So today's first time, um, it's Ariel's first time on air. So shout out to Ariel for being on air today. Um, so our show today is gonna be about crumbling nation.
4: Yeah, and um, what this show's about is um, the show's about problems in our social environment and constructs humans have influenced and created within our society.
3: Yeah, so we have a lot of fun stuff today. We have a couple audio pieces. We're gonna have um, a lot of the team on air today, like Mary and Caesar. So yeah, so right now we're gonna um, actually start with. Um, two audio pieces about special ed that were created by well the first one was created by dan and the second one was created by mary so don't forget you are listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from studio y Yolo yolokali in little village
5: hello my name is daniel diaz you may see me as a normal teen but i've been in special ed since i was in second or third grade I don't know. I felt a little different, and not in a good way. Being in special ed puts your head in a crazy way. At least it did for me. You feel it's gonna go the way you want it to go, but really it's just gonna go in multiple directions. And you don't really know how it's gonna go. For example, trying to fit into a group that knows you're in special ed, I got treated differently. With more care. People around me would seem more apologetic and gentle on jokes. Like, I can't even take a joke. In elementary school and freshman year. Years that people were friendly to me. There were some people that I didn't know. And they didn't know that I was in special ed. But I never had problems with them. Not at all. I had fun and all. But my sister wanted me to go to a new school. A new school for better education, she said. I told her I will go after the year ends, so I could start sophomore year there. One day during my last period, U.S. history, two months before my freshman year was about to end, a teacher called me. (coughs) Walking through the hallways, she got me into an unknown room. Entering, my mom, along with three teachers and my counselor, was sitting around in a long table. Once I sat down, they started discussing my grades. There was no problem with my grades, nothing at all. Just the simple A AMBs and B's like a person. can. But my ears popped out when I heard the magic words, you may not need special ed anymore. They gave me a choice, either stay in the program till the end of the year or leave it in total right here, right now. Can you guess what I chose? In the new school that I'm in now, as a sophomore, no one knows I've been in special ed. It's kind of a change in atmosphere. Why? Because a lot of things has changed. And a lot of things did change. But it was the jokes that changed. I don't know how to take jokes made by others. Should I take it offensively or just as a joke? Like, have you ever tried to sing? It would make you look more like Elvis Presley. I had puffy hair back then, so... That was kind of the joke, wise, or as I thought. But now you may say to yourself, how does this have to do with mental health? Well, over the years, I felt like I'm out of place in the world. I would try to act normal, walk the walk, talk the talk, you know. Questions run so deep as if I was meant this way, as if I was meant to be like this. one day I met Mary. She was cool and wasn't like other people making those kind of jokes. She was friendly and we got along just fine. Just talking, hanging out. After a few weeks, I've read this article from Southside Weekly called Beyond the Levels and it briefly talks about how students with mental health may affect school levels with standardized tests. As I quote, Williams pointed out that the unfairness of forcing students who are diverse learners, in other words, special educational students, have harder times taking the standardized test than others. Reading this made me think about how our educational system was. I wanted to leave special ed as soon as I can, and I got that chance. I felt that I was free, but this mindset they put me in might not change. And I felt that way for a long time, and hopefully, Some may think what I did, for now.
6: I was in kindergarten, and my teacher, who wasn't a clinical psychologist for children, by the way, Diagnosed me with ADHD, ADHD. a tension-deficient hyperactivity Hyperactivity disorder. disorder. So what if I couldn't sit still? I was just hyped up on juice boxes, you know? And if not that, then I was just a kid, a very energetic kid. He suggested to my mother I needed to be on medication right away, and let's just say she didn't handle it very well. But much like most life-changing experiences, he still took it upon himself to get me quote-unquote help. So I ended up in IEP. The individualized individualized education education program, program. a.k.a. special Special ed. Ed. And just like that, my entire entire life was changed. changed. I was not one of those kids. Those kids kids who had a range of special needs. Speech, temper, ADHD, you name it, we were them. The worst part was the way we were treated by our well-abled counterparts. The pain of growing up as those kids who got picked on because of our disability is something no one but us kids can understand. We felt segregated in our place. We were the extra pieces for a completed puzzle, and just like those pieces, no one knew what to do with us. So we tried to stick together. But those bullies pulled us apart, befriended some of us, and pinned us against one another. Loneliness was a common companion. Friends came and went. Some of us finally found the place we could finally fit in. But some of us didn't. I mean... We were just those kids, right? Just those kids, right?
4: Just those kids, right? Just those, kids, right? Just those kids, right? We're back. Uh, you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago, zero five point five FM Lumpin' Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yorick and Little Village. Um, we have a new person here today. Would you like to introduce yourself?
7: Uh, Hello, I'm na- Marie. Oh, my name is Caesar.
4: Well, two new people. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so. I guess uh, we're moving on to the next thing.
7: Um. Uh, you guys just listened to two audio pieces, um, one by Marie, one by Daniel, um, talking about Special Ed. And uh, do you want to start it? Start this off, Marie?
6: Um, yeah, sure. So I didn't really. That was actually the first time I got to listen to Daniel's audio piece about Special Ed, and uh, and I thought that was like actually kind of like a little bit more accurate than kind of mine. Mine was like just a little bit more story based. But I think they both touched upon like special, um, not special needs, but like you know how it feels to be one of th- the special ed kids, or how does it feel like to be in IEP, uh, the individualized education program. Anything? I mean, it was, yeah. Anything else, Caesar?
7: Um. Well, like he said, how uh, it kind of t- uh, how he felt a little bit out of place on the world, uh, kind of. It kind of touched me, cause it's it's um, making him feel out of place. Where in an environment where everyone is in school, where everyone should be as equal and be getting the same education, but to those special ed kids, they are they are they're not um, they're not seen as um, how do you call it as capable as the normal students, you know. So I thought that 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 shouldn't be a thing, and that i mean that it's like a really a, a topic that we should really touch on because it's
6: it's i like i come actually honestly i completely agree because like i along with what you were saying like how kind of we feel out of place uh, like i also kind of feel like a little bit like we're like I don't even know the correct words for it, but I don't know. You kind of feel like different from like the like you were saying early as well, like the normal kids. Yeah. And you're right, everyone does have like a right to the same education, but it kind of I kind of feel that, or most people uh, would agree that you know there's some people at different levels of ed- education, and that's why special IEP or special education was like created. I well I believe that was one of the reasons at least if I'm not getting it wrong, but. I don't know. I just kind of feel like, you know, we're, like, not segregation, but, like, kind of, like, outcasts for special ed. Like, I don't, like, I don't even know the current terminology, but I just kind of feel like, um, for special ed, we're just outcasts. Because, like, we're at a different level. We're not normal. We kind of feel out of place in the world, like Daniel was saying in his audio piece. But as your as your perspective as in special education or not, like, how do you feel the special ed kids are.
7: Um. Well, I've never actually thought of that, but now that you make me think of it, I think they don't. They don't feel like they fit in. They feel. They feel like more. Um, I don't know if I'm using this cor- the correct word, but they think uh, normal students are more inferior, m- meaning that they're more capable of learning faster and. You know getting things
6: like superior not
7: yeah inferior? yeah yeah superior there we go and <laughs> then bad.
6: the was it special ed kids like feel inferior
7: yeah the um and the way that he also brings up that um uh, these kids make fun of the special ed kids and it makes them feel a little like oh you know like why are they doing that you know it's yeah it's a serious thing it's not it's not a, it's not a joke to be made fun of and
6: yeah and i think that's the number number one thing that special ed kids like have to deal with is just getting picked on between like what like their level of education is and like like what doubles it like because like from experience like we get used to get picked not picked on but like uh what is it we get used to get pulled out of class by our special ed teacher like in the middle of like the other when the regular teacher was teaching And, like, you know, we just kind of got laughed at, dirty looks, like, called names. It's just, like, it's not cool being made fun of because you're not able to learn at the pace that the uh, regular teacher is learning at.
7: And that kind of ties in with, like, bullying and how mental, uh, uh, mental (coughs) issues. So that could lead into kids feeling depression or um, getting bipolar disorders. You know, it, it makes them feel a little, a little, like, so it makes him feel really really like depressed and all this and like it could lead up to like greater things like um but be- worse things i mean like uh school shootings you know like the yeah. florida florida shooter the most recent school shooting yeah. um that kid was being bullied before he got kicked out of the school and he ended up shooting the school because yeah. he was suffering of mental issues
6: so uh, yeah I th- i kind of feel like there is a link between like you know where you like where you are in special education being picked on what causes you well not what causes you but like the things that are going on your brain that just just keep going and then you know it does end up leading to a school shooting
7: yeah and it kind of ties in with gun control so how he i don't know how he got uh, obtained he obtained the weapons that he used uh and what i think it's a ar-15 which is the most used gun in all mass shootings and it's uh it's really, really complicated how gun laws are are nowadays, especially how um um people that are of have suffered mental health issues could obtain these weapons really easily,
6: yeah, and especially like yeah, like that's actually really scary, honestly, like how easily and he was like, what 18 like not the legal not even i don't know like legal age to like 17 i
7: think 17 or 19 i think around there yeah
3: but yeah i i love what you guys are saying i think another thing that you guys are bringing up like in the audio piece um something that stuck out to me about daniel's auto piece was that he was basically saying that like now after you know leaving that that class that title class of special ed that now he he's dealing with like taking a joke like as a joke or like more personal and i feel like like again relating to the um the shootings and stuff like people have to deal with the aftermath of like uh, essentially almost a trauma you know like a social trauma because like be, you know entering high school especially like your first year is like really traumatizing and like if you have like a uh an experience that makes you stick out or makes you feel different like now he's like people like students like him are also dealing with the aftermath of that. Do, can you guys agree on that?
7: Mm, yeah, I totally a agree. Yeah.
3: yeah. 100%. Yeah, so um but yeah, we have um we have a couple of things coming up on gun controls as well. So
7: our next audio piece is by Sebastian and it talks about it's a fictional story uh about gun control. So stay tuned for that.
2: Once upon a time, in the small town of the island of Grassland, there was a small village called Tree Chunk. Tree Chunk was the capital of Grassland where Grass and Wooden people lived, but for years the people of Grassland were controlled by the monarchist people of Bark, and wooden people fled Barkland to the island of Grass, where they wanted to live freely for religious and political reasons. Therefore, the people of Bark let them go, but in the condition to pledge fealty to the King of Bark and to represent the lands colonies of the King of Bark. As years progressed, the colonists of the grasslands grew tired of such rule, since they started having their farms and foods taken away from the king of bark. The wooden and grass people grew angry and stole weapons from the, pe- from the people of bark and began fighting them off until they left their lands. When the wooden and grass people won their independence, they established a new leader, new constitution, and the house of laws, which was composed of two parties, the liberal and conservative party. The House of Laws made laws and renewed laws that were against the Grassland Constitution. One of the top laws in the Grass Constitution was to bear arms for defensive purposes and in case of a tyrannical government, have land for all and be equal. As two centuries passed after the founding of the Grassland Nation, the country began seeing technological improvements. The Grassland people began building skyscrapers made out of tomatoes, improved the military and helped education become better. The bad thing was that several towns in the grassland country began suffering of heavy crime because of robberies going on. Due to the country's lack of food, the government soon began farming more food, and robberies shortened for a little. But the food robbers began carrying glass and did robberies for the fun of it. So, weapon was done for the purpose of self-defense. The L15 leafu seal 15, a gun composed of leaves and shot rock pellets at a semi-automatic rate. Fires of the L-15 also used a weapon to hunt for animals as well. The grass people began suffering of horrible mass shootings in the villages. They started blaming the L-15. The liberal party of grass grew extremely angry about this and began blaming the rifle. They said that it was meant to kill people, not to hunt or defend. The liberal grass people began rioting and attacking owners of the L-15. They said that they would not stop until the weapons were taken off the hands of the people. What these people didn't know was that the link of the majority of the mass shootings in the villages was that the person firing the gun was mentally unstable. The Great Party began attacking the Liberal Party, telling them that guns were not the problem. The person was. He talked about guns and how they were used. Since the majority of the Congress was liberal, they pressured the president to forcefully remove all weapons from civilian hands. The Great Party said that it was in the Constitution of Grassland to give freedom to the people to bear arms and tried telling them to make sure that the gun owners needed to be mentally capable of owning a weapon. The Liberal Party refused. The President of Grassland made a final statement to take the weapons from the people and to go along all the country forcing people to turn in their weapons. A man by the name Dietrich decided to stand up to the government and when they came to his home to take, to take his weapons away, he murdered the officials trying to take his freedom. He was later tried in court for the murder of two officials and sentenced to death. When the gun owners heard about this, they decided to revolt against the government and to self-govern without government rule. Hearing this, the president of Grassland was furious, calling them, calling them complete traitors to the people of Grassland, He forced all mainstream media outlets to call these people traitors and gun-loving bigots. Those who didn't want to put his liberal ideals on guns would be called for treason. He even went to the point on blocking good things about guns, saving people on the media. One of these incidents was a man who defended a home mall from a group of five robbers. He saved 50 lives that day using the, that gun. Sadly, it was censored from the media. The rebels made a small town known as Independencia, A town that would only be run by the people and anyone has the right to bear any weapon, but still under regulation. The rebels began gaining support and then they grew big in numbers. The president of Grassland began sending troops and tanks to kill the so-called traitors. And then the real war broke out. The president of Grassland started making aviation attacks against the rebellious towns that were fighting against them. Many people were dying with these attacks until the final battle came in the town of Independencia. There, the battle took four to five hours. At the end, the government's military won the battle and told the remaining rebels to turn in their guns or they would be hanged. About half of them turned them in while the other half decided not to turn them in. At the end, the remaining people of Independencia were stripped of their rights and left to die with their new title of traitors by the government. Many of the rebels' families were raped or killed. While others tried fleeing back to their home of origin in Barkland. You know the story.
3: And we're back. That audio piece was so amazing. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I could apply it to a lot of things that are going on right now
4: totally agree actually that's uh, that's astounding the whole story and how it uh talks about like the real world uh like what's going on right now with the nra and all that stuff marches things against weapons all that stuff
3: yeah um i think it was really interesting that like um it was like explaining sort of how everything started and like that's something i've always questioned like now like how did all of this come to this now? And it's it's so cool that like well not cool but like it just shows that like this has been a problem for a long time, just in like a different, um, I guess systematic way. Um like some of the things that I, I remember were that like um so like the lack of resources were like pushing people to do like things like robberies and stuff, but it was all for survival, right?
4: Yeah. Well, with us to discuss this topic, we have uh would you like to introduce yourself?
7: Um, my name is Caesar.
4: All right, Caesar, what's your take on the whole gun matter, like what this audio piece like delivered?
7: Um I think uh recent laws have really made it easier for people to obtain um weapons and for the wrong usage. Um um I think the RDPs really delivered that. Like, they, it talked about uh, weapons and how they are used in the wrong ways. And
3: yeah, um, I, uh, a thing that stu- um, stuck out to me about that part of the of guns was that, like, the person that was handing out the guns wasn't, like, mentally okay to be, like, making that decision. And I feel like um, that's something that should be like important <clears throat> now too even not just the person that's like managing like a store or like um the sale of a gun but also the people that make the laws like not to offend anyone but are they mentally okay to be making like decisions that are gonna affect like the whole nation
4: well um i'm gonna put some of my perspective on the piece uh i honestly from well my take on it It was like, well, it's it's true. Like, uh, there's these mentally ill people that go and buy guns. But the thing is, the thing that's always been been suspicious is that before you even buy a gun, you need a background check. That knows, like, it tells you information, everything. Like, if you have any health issues or anything. And for some reason, they still get the weapons. So it's kind of, you know, it kind of begs the question who's allowing them to get them. Or, like, they get them... How are these people getting their hands on these weapons you know without getting those background checks
3: yeah um and also like with the background checks i think like well not everything is on paper you know i feel like and i know this is hard to like like put into like um an order but like how could we even know more about a person um aside from what the documents are telling us like if they're okay and stuff like Sometimes I think that's not enough because you never really know a person just because of what you're reading about them, you know?
4: Well, from well, from what I know is that you need a background check, like, every time in order to... And most of the times, like, that's the papers or, like, the determination. But, I mean, like, for example, like, for gang members, for example, uh, I read an article, uh, not an article. There was a book called My Bloody Life, and it even, like, stated, and it was from a real life ex uh, Gang member that said they got weapons without any background checks from major companies, major gun providing industries, like, uh, like the what's it called? Well, there's I don't know the name specifically, I'm not like a guy into those companies and stuff, but they do receive weapons from big industries, like, without um background checks or anything. So that type of stuff needs to be in check, but I mean, we can't really speak much against it because those companies have a lot of money, they're mm-hmm. like they're really they're like billionaires so they could basically like cover up everything they have and all that. Well, that's from what I've researched. Um I mean, what are your your guys' opinions?
3: Yeah, like okay, so like how you were saying they get th- these guns from like really important like companies and it's like well, I'm sure there's like that the companies, I'm sure they don't just make them here, but they probably transport them and stuff like what if they're getting transported, like, illegally too? even though they're big companies? You, I mean, I'm just, like, skeptical about everything. Like, I don't trust a lot of things because, again, it's not that I don't trust it. It's just that they kind of, like, retain a lot of information. So it's like, what do we really know, you know? And how in the story, in the audio piece, um, like, the rebels, I feel like to me that was, like, um, revolutionary, like, people standing up. I feel like in a way... Um, as a community and as a nation, we just have to stand up and question stuff, you know, and like really push it, you know. And movements like that help a lot. Like right now, there's a movement going on um, in front of the Cook County Jail with um, with uh, Moms United Against Violence and Incarceration, and a lot of the that's like a movement that where like women were incarcerated over like um, like self defense or Um, other things that like they shouldn't be punished for like loss of affordable housing criminalized acts of survival like those are things that like yeah you know they're not that's not the right thing to do but you know sometimes people get incarcerated and they come out and they don't have opportunities so what do they do They, they rob or they do anything to get money like I was doing my research about gun violence and I also saw some videos that like so these people were saying, like, oh, my gun's going to protect me, not just protect me physically, but if I'm broke, I sell this gun, and that's it, quick money. Everybody is so quick to buy a gun on the street, you know?
4: Yeah, well, from from what I've got from the audio piece, because, I mean, I pretty much understand it completely. Um, well, it's mov- I'm moving more into, like, the media aspect of it. Like, a lot of our media is influencing people to hate on guns, and, I mean, the Second Amendment has been in America for like us uh, like a couple centuries already and i mean that's the initial intention for keeping weapons for us humans for us citizens to be keeping weapons is to protect ourselves and i mean i'm it perfectly makes sense um i don't think we should be re- our guns should be removed from us cuz i mean imagine one day i don't know let's say we get like some dictator something or some dictatorship happens um, we're gonna want our weapons to protect ourselves, and the Democrats are trying to remove our guns because if some sort of, if they end up, that's the like that's the whole point of I think the media's influence and the Democratic parties and the liberals' influence on it. They just want to remove the guns in order to leave us powerless. Well, that's how I feel, and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, leftists feel, and generally people feel that way. That's like that's why we need our weapons. I mean, look at the Revo- revolutionary war we used our weapons to defend our country to defend our homes from you know britain and all that stuff because we want to be liberated from their tyranny and all that and that's so yeah that's the initial purpose of the second amendment um sorry we've been excluding you from the no, conversation would you like to give your opinion on well, it well i
7: kind of want to touch on something that uh nine has said that about how these women were being incarcerated or like people in general that people get incarcerated yeah. and then mm-hmm. they come out of jail without less opportunities um I don't think people understand that sometimes um poverty like it's forced upon them and it forces them to do things like robbery, assault people, buy weapons, and only because they wanna survive and live a life like any other person um living a life now, you know they wanna have the same opportunities, but those opportunities aren't being given to them.
4: yeah, um what do you say that? um okay. What do you say that uh, what do you think about the AR fifteen?
3: Mm, that's Ooh. a good question. But you guys we're gonna go on a really small break oh. and then we're gonna come back with this conversation. And so don't forget you are listening to WLPN L P Chicago, one oh five point five FM Lumpen Radio broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolo Kali and Little Village. And we're back.
4: All right, so going back to our previous question, um what's it called what do you think about the r15
7: first of all i want to say that like i had said before it's the most used um weapon in mass shootings in recent mass shootings and this gun is actually a semi-automatic weapon so Uh they modify the weapon to make it automatic which shoots about i'm not sure don't quote me on this about like i think it's more than 50 bullets per minute and that is a lot of bullets per minute hitting each person and i think the La- last the La- las vegas um shooter had used this weapon and had made it auto- modified it to be automatic and killed 58 people and it was there was this other thing this attachment that they had attached to it. yeah
4: it's called the bump stock yeah
7: bump stock yeah there we go um it makes um semi-automatic weapons um
4: automatic automatic so
7: that's really it's not just the ar-15 but it's the bump stock that helped that gun be made automatic
4: yeah do you already know that you know the bump stocks already banned right so i mean some people did uh keep theirs but i mean they're already you can't buy one anymore like legally
7: that's great less shootings less
4: yeah but what do you what do you say that like only that gun like I was, there's a, there was a, what's it called? There was an, a another mass shooting, but that wasn't even, have you heard of it? Like this guy went inside, like, I forgot where it was, but he killed like 58 people just using, just dual just a uh, dual wielding pistols. No, I did
7: not hear that.
4: Yeah. So what do you say? Just like, what you say, uh, you know, cause the Democrats say that ban AR-15, right? but it's like civilian grade it wasn't like you know made for like any of that stuff it was more made for you know uh defense or like hunting Mm -hmm. uh what's it called and democrats say only ban ban guns like that but don't ban civilian grade guns like pistols they say you're hunting rifles even though that one case a pistol caused the death of 58 people so what do you say just like you know all that blame should it just be like you know just on the AR-15. Otherwise, you should ban all guns, which is probably what they're, you know, heading towards. But what do you think on that?
7: Um, well, that's a really controversial question. Because if you ban all all guns, like the AR-15, there's always other guns that they could use in other, in other shootings. But I guess they think of it, oh, if they ban these type of guns like a AR-15 and all these other guns that are semi-automatic or can be turned automatic, um, there'll be less less casualties with smaller weapons because what can you do with a small weapon? But like in this case, he said that 58 people had died and um, it was only from two p- a pistol, a mm, pistol that yeah. had cost
4: that. So um, yeah,
3: yeah uh, don't hate me, you guys, but I, I feel like it's like that like saying it's not the gun it's the people (laughs) you know i feel like that proves that because like you mentioned like what if they remove that big gun but there's still other guns that are smaller but can be used like probably they can get modified and be as just as dangerous you know i think that just goes to prove that's like it's not really the guns it's the people
7: Yeah, you. I mean, you are right. You kind of. Uh, yeah, you are right. I mean, at case. Yeah, like in these cases, the last last shootings have been from mentally ill people, and that kind of, um, that kind of. So, like in this case, on uh, Nicholas Cruz, um, he was suffering from uh, mental issues, which um caused him to use uh, uh, caused him to use a weapon to kill a bunch of students uh at a school right so
4: yeah but uh my bad but uh what's it called but going back to like how are these like for real how are these uh mentally ill people getting their hands on these weapons with any background checks
3: yeah i feel like maybe even like kids or like teens going into their parents things you know like maybe the parent has like You know the permit, and they're like qualified, and they're okay to have a gun. But it's like maybe like people get robbed from their house, and maybe they get their stuff taken, or I don't know. I I have that question too because it's like I don't know. They're out there. They're really out there.
7: Um, I think I had oh my bad my bad yeah you could go ahead. Uh, I think I had heard I don't um that uh Donald Trump had taken out a law that Obama had put, which made it. A little stricter on mental mentally ill people um to you to get, get obtain these ki- type of weapons but he had taken it off um and it made it easier now for those people to get those weapons in their hands
4: uh i i, I haven't heard of that to be honest i should actually probably look that up but um all right so yeah um like, going back to these people getting their hands on these weapons without, like, any background checks. I mean, but I wouldn't say, like, they take, like, their, you know, weapons from, like, their parents. But, I mean, yeah, it would make sense, like, you know, uh, let's say, like, your father's an ex-cop. And, like, he has, like, you know, his uh, his pistol right there because he's out of service and stuff. He's, like, an inactive cop. And he, he could probably use it. I'm not Maybe that might be the case for some things. But, like, have you guys ever heard of the Columbine shooting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's- um those guys went to a gun show but they weren't at the age to purchase those weapons the people there even said it they gave their full backgrounds and stuff and they didn't they say you can't they said oh you can't have this weapon but for some reason they got it anyways and from what I've heard they got it via a friend I'm not sure who it is because he wasn't identified or he probably was but I don't remember but he got him via that and I mean they got they had like uh, a scorpion like i don't know what the gun is called but it's like a submachine gun mm-hmm. a scorpion and then the other guy had like um i think a pump action shotgun i don't really remember these guys were pretty ridiculous and they caused all that like they caused like i don't know how many deaths i think like eight or like eight people died i mean that's still pretty uh, like and they, they were crafty too they made like pipe bombs also they, they were really crafty but like going back to like um how did they get their hands like it it's a still still a question I have. Um, how do how do they get their weapons without like initial background checks? And that's what I'm you know.
3: Yeah, yeah that's horrible. That's scary. <laughs> but yeah, so we have another audio piece by Sebastian. Um, it's called Bystand the Bystander. So we're gonna go ahead and listen to that right now. So stay tuned.
1: Hi, my name is Sebastian nervous Team from Little Village, Chicago. I've been living here for my entire life, sadly, nothing has changed. From what I've grown seeing, Little Village has a never ending story in gangs, shootings, and bystanders whose lives have been taken away by a gun. It is a really sad thing going on in this neighborhood. I created a fictional character and provided a scene that could happen in real life that tells the ongoing shootings in Little Village. The last thing that I remember was that I was walking home from a soccer game. As usual, I was on my phone looking at the messages from my friends. I was too busy looking at my friends' messages so I didn't bother to read my mom's messages. My mom's messages just said that I needed to go back home because it was 9 p.m. The message also said that a teen was shot and killed a few blocks away from my house. Rubbish, I said to myself. I then told myself again, wow, what kind of talk is my mom saying? I would never get targeted. A couple minutes later, I noticed a suspicious 1997 Chevrolet Tahoe. The car went from fast to slow. I began to feel fear and began to walk faster. My heart was pumping quicker. Then I felt like I wanted to run for it, but they would notice me. Then the car backseat window went down. A Latino male began shouting at me. He told me, what you be about. I didn't respond. Then he threw up a hand sign. He said, King love. He kept taunting me and kept saying 2-6 killer and repeatedly was dissing the opposition. I realized he was from the Land Kings, a gang from my part of the neighborhood of East Little Village. For some reason, they must have taunted me since I was on the 2-6 soil and must have thought I was a 2-6 or something. Suddenly, I saw six rebel gang members walking towards me. They threw up the 2-6 Hansen at me and yelled obscenities at me. I figured out this was going to be a massive shooting. Immediately, the driver's seat went down and open fire at the 2-6. He yelled out, King love, come get some. Boom, boom, boom. I hit descend the cars. The 2-6 scattered to the streets and yelled at the car. A 2-6 took out a .45 pistol and shot the land king's car. The 2-6 yelled, two six, two six. Another 2-6 members yelled, King killer. I kept hearing shots coming in left to right. As soon as I saw my right moment to run, I did so. Then I felt a bullet hit my abdomen. I screamed in pain. got up. Then I heard BOOM, BOOM, and I fell to the ground. Two bullets hit my spinal cord, again in my abdomen, and one in my stomach. I screamed in pain, and blood was gushing out my mouth rapidly. The Tahoe left and yelled back at the 2-6, and then all the game members left the scene. I was bleeding to death. I saw a crowd of people asking me if I was okay, but then I heard signs of the police and the ambulance. My parents ran to the scene where I was, and my mom held me, crying and yelling at me. No te vayas, mijo, no te vayas. My mother kept yelling at me. I then felt confusion and looked around. My vision became blurry. As I kept looking at the police sites and ambulance cars and getting crime detectives, my vision became really white and blurry. I couldn't see anything anymore. I just heard my mom's screams from agony and sadness but then I couldn't hear anymore. My vision went completely blank and I saw a movie of my whole life. Since my birth to the end and suddenly my brain was shutting down and at the end I kept replaying my death and said, now it's my turn.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, my God. Really
3: emotional. <sighs> Man, well. That's really touching because we see stuff like that in our neighborhood all the time.
7: Wow. Well, I, I got really touched on yeah. that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all need like a second. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm... Oh, my God. It's just (laughs) my brother did a hell of a job on this. Oh, my God. Shout out out
3: to your brother. Really great job, Sebastian. Like, wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But anyways, yeah. So that's something that we can all like sort of we've heard stories about things like that or we've seen stuff like that. And, you know, we live in a neighborhood and close to other neighborhoods that go through stuff like that, you know. And that's why topics like guns are pretty serious in our community and like they're serious where even um there was um I think it was last month where um high schoolers walked out. Um, did any of you guys did any of your high schools do that?
4: Yeah. Um oh you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, all right. Okay, so yeah, I mean I would have expected more of a walkout to be honest. We only stayed outside for like 15 minutes and some of the people just like some of the people that went in the walkout, uh, you know, didn't really care. But I mean, I mean, yeah, for the people that like, you know, that died in those like, you know, shootings and stuff, uh, I think the walkouts were necessary, you know, to express, uh, our, you know, our remorse and like, you know, um, well, yeah, I was a uh, constructive. Yeah. Um. When we had our walkout,
7: uh, same thing happened. Now I seen a lot of people that didn't care, um, but I was there, and we had to take a a kneel or a sit down. Um, I think it was if we were if uh, if we knew someone that had died of of a, from a gun, we had to kneel down, or if we were if we lived in a place where where gun. Gun existed. We had to sit down, and I think that's the part where everyone sat down. Cause, um, what's it called? Um, uh, it's cause I mean guns exist everywhere, and so everyone had to sit down eventually. But to those people that didn't care, um, I see most kids like, um, leaving the the scene because we took it outside in the field, and everyone was just leaving, like if it was they were uh, ditching, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean I really I I found I didn't find it offensive but I found it really disrespectful to those people we were honoring the death and those people were disrespecting those.
4: I honestly uh think my school did take some initiative. They hired like four security guards like mm-hmm. in <laughs> in every corner of the school so no one would like literally like you know ditch and stuff and some kids were planning on it. But
3: <laughs> yeah, it it kind of goes into the topic of like if you're not like affected directly like you're not going to really care. But it's really, like, I'm really proud that you guys, you know, gave that respect. You know, like, uh, I just graduated high school, so I obviously wasn't a part of that. But I would have been a part of it. And I've seen stuff like that happen before where, like, kids just take like the opportunity to, like, try and ditch, like, oh, you know, we're all going outside. But, like, like there's other um, neighborhoods that take it more seriously. Like, in back of the yard, um, we went with... um. Cause I at my job we we do um a lot of projects with like after school and stuff at, at Richards High School. So we took our students there to um to this meeting where people like Chuy Garcia and like other government people were there and they were basically like pledging to um help our communities because um a lot of them like Chuy Garcia is from the community um from Little Village, so he knows um or he's really seen that like it's an impacted him you know where he went out there and talked to the students and the students there were like some of them went up, up up there on the microphone and talked and expressed their opinions and like I really felt moved because I was like wow these are the kids that really feel this you know like they're hurt and they want change they want better for not just them but like for our future generations you know
4: yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Uh, I feel like people that live within the violence, like here in Little Village especially, people that live like knowing the violence, uh, would. Uh, I mean, there's some people that don't, write, But most of them, like you know, would uh, mourn those that died within the violence. Like here, um, I when I was like a kid, like you know, like in the there would be like uh, during Mexican like the Mexican Independence parades and all that. Um, like there would be like fights like between rival gangs and all that stuff i mean i recognize the violence so i do give like you know i do put my hat down to the people that you know have died in shootings uh, some people appreciate it some people don't but it's like yeah like uh like nine said it's until like you you really appreciate it when it happens to someone you know or like you know
3: yeah yeah or not necessarily, like, where someone has actually died, but some people are survivors and they're left, like, paralyzed, you know. Like, yeah. I can relate that really personally because, you know, th- that situation happened to one of my family members and he's still going through the aftermath. Like, he's no longer able to walk and, like, his life just changed, like, in one night, you know. But, yeah, I mean.
7: I mean, uh, I think it's really hard Um i don't know well for me um being a boy in little village it's especially hard because you're walking down the street and you have that fear of you know um any gang member coming up to you and checking you and be like oh what are you you know what you is what, fr- what like yeah. what <laughs> part of a gang are you and it's like really um really scary especially at night when it's like where and in the summer when most of the gang members are out and they're out doing their the, the bad things you know the stuff that they do like
4: yeah they're uh, they're degenerates to <laughs> be honest uh I don't know if, uh, honestly yeah like it feels like when you go outside you need to like you need to be very careful how you dress up and stuff and like yeah. uh, it feels like really restricting right like yeah. you can't you can't dress up how you want they see specific colors sometimes they don't even care and they just drive drive by and like if they assume you're one you're like a rival gang member they just they just kill you
3: uh-huh. yeah yeah
7: it's um any like any color like color matching i know um um last time uh one of my friends had gone down i think passing gary and he was in his bike and he had he has like long hair right yeah and it kind of i mean i sometimes tell him yeah you do look kind of like a gang member but you're not um But you're not affiliated with those people. But there was a truck, uh, a big truck with a bunch of them, and they had pointed a gun at him. And um, he said that he was scared for his life because he didn't know what was going to happen. And he, like, um, what's it called? um, That they had assumed he was part of a gang, but he really wasn't.
3: Yeah, like, that does limit us to, like, really express ourselves. I can sort of relate to, like, that because, you know, I used to have my long hair, but I cut my hair really short, like a boy. And I did notice a lot of changes, especially, you know, because I'm from the neighborhood. I did notice that, like, um, people would just, like, look at my car now when I would be driving. Like, who's in there? Like, it looks like a guy or something, you know? Or I would rather not wear my hats because you couldn't tell I was a girl. And I had that, like, protection back then. we like, no, okay, I feel like I'm okay because I'm a girl. Like, they're going to see, like, that I'm okay faster than if I were a boy, you know? And it goes with that fear, and like, I guess I felt a little protective for being a girl, you know, and, and it shouldn't be like that, you know? It shouldn't be that like, oh, you're a girl, you're fine, you're gonna be okay in the neighborhood, but if you're a guy, you know, you're in danger, like, that really sucks.
4: Yeah, I mean, I have like family members that live in the suburbs now for the same reason. Um uh, like every time my cousins from the suburbs would come, I mean, they live in a pretty good place. It's, honestly, it, it's amazing. Like the ambience, so like, mm-hmm. it's so chill. It's so relaxing. There's there's like the air's clean. I mean, they come over here and my, my tio would always like tell my cousins like, hey, don't wander. Like we would ask them to go to the park and then he'd be like, no, they can't go to the park. And they need to stay like within the house because he already knows. And I mean, they already know how it is over here. It's, it's really dangerous
7: yeah um uh what's it called um i forgot what i was gonna say
3: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i feel like there's also pressure in some of these things like how you mentioned that like your friend wasn't anything um i i also know like a similar story where like some guy used to um go i guess to the other side of the neighborhood for school and then he will get picked on by like a by some gang bangers like, who oh, are you this? Are you this? And he got picked on so much and he wasn't anything that all that anger just led him to like start talking to people that didn't like those people that were picking on him. And he became something just to, you know, get back at them. And like, I, I feel like it can go so many ways, like things that provoke us to do certain things, you know?
7: Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard, uh, this is what I actually, I forgot, but now I know what I'm going to say. Um, i had um um have these guys ever have these guys heard of the that so it was um it was one of my uh, neighbor's friends uh he was walking down i think it was springfield or harding with um one of his uh, one of his friends and they had been um they had been just those friends that he was walking with had been gang affiliated Mm -hmm. and a, a guy had stopped by, and they had shot him, and the shot was not intended for the person that was my neighbor's friend, who was not gang affiliated, but it was intended for the other person, for the other people that were walking with him oh. and he ended up um, passing away, and it was really sad, cause um, the bullet wasn't meant for him, and it was it's like wow, you know, this person, like you know, is he? He was nothing, and he was part of a gang shooting.
4: Yeah, um, some people honestly, a lot of innocent bystanders. Like I've seen it here, um, they get caught between the firefights and like they're innocent, right? Mm-hmm. They they like uh, just some random bullet, like just flies, you know, flies some random direction, and they just you know it hits you, and then they they die. Which is f- my bad, my bad. But it's like it's a uh, you know it's ludicrous how it just happens like that. You know, you you don't even expect it. That's why it's a. Uh, You know?
3: Yeah. Mm. Well, we're going to leave this sad note for a little bit and we're going to go to some, we're going to play one jam for now. So, yeah, stay tuned. Don't forget you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio broadcasting live from Yolo Kali Studio y, Yolo Kali Little Village. Thank you guys for listening.
4: Um yeah, uh yeah, thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Uh
3: today's topics were so awesome. We covered a lot, special ed, um gun violence in our neighborhoods, equality. Yeah, so I'm Nine. I'm Ariel. And we are tuning now.
0: Minorities. That's what they call us. The outskirts of society. The authors of crime. Take a look at us. Is it because of my dark skin that you think I'm gonna shoot you?
7: Is it because of the borders I've crossed that you think I'm not a part of and that I do not belong in this nation?
0: Is it my sexual orientation that makes me a sinner? Is it because I'm just a woman, that you think I'm inferior, that I don't have what it takes? Is it because I'm just another adolescent that makes you think that I don't have control over my decisions, that I don't have a voice? Yet here we are. Speaking to you. Letting you know loud and clear that we are not a group of kids with guns. No walls can stop us. No laws will silence us. No white privileges are needed here to succeed. We will not let our dreams be diminished. Yes, we are surrounded by violence, injustice, poverty. However, that's just it. Those things are the things that give us a reason to speak up, that move us and inspire us to own the battleground we stand on. Once that microphone's in front of us, we become the definition of dominance. Every word we write, every word we say, is powered with creativity, strength, invincibility, and rage. No stereotypes, no gender roles, no 45th president will break us. We are dangerous, we are unafraid, we're the misfits, the weirdos,
2: the Froot Loops and the Cheerio Box. But hey, it's our differences at the finest.
0: Not that sickening and weakening word. Minorities. Minorities. Through thick and thin, we're proud to be who we are. We are Yolos We've been keeping it weird and real since 1997.
7: hey did you include the fact that we love pizza
3: wait what we recorded <laughs>
6: <laughs>